Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from Pitchers.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is May 25th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. I live with Ben Lively. I call him Raggedy Ann. It's a whole minority report thing of Ann Lively from like 2017. And he went six innings, two earned runs, five hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts against the Cardinals. 14 whiffs, 33% CSW. He earned a King Cole. He was the obvious gold star that is the best of the people we did not expect to do well in yesterday's game. And what is going on? This is back-to-back heavy strikeout games for Ben Lively. He turned to his slider massively in his previous start and was really good here. 55% CSW, 32% swing strike rate, but only 22 pitches. And that was about a 21% usage. So what happened? Well, I watched it and lots of fastballs in the zone that worked. Um, yeah, I, I don't really like it. I think he should have allowed more in runs. The first two innings, he was in trouble and got out of it kind of. Squeaked out of it and allowed two more runs later on. The 8Ks are nice. I think the slider is really good. He has to be like a 50% slider guy. But even then, I still feel the fastballs are very susceptible. And there really isn't anything else after that. So, I wish... You guys know me. I love getting super hyped for somebody who I just look at and go, This guy's amazing. Go get him. Do all the fun things. And that's where we get super hyped. Like you look like Bryce Miller right now. Or Mitch Keller. I mean, I was ages on Mitch Keller. But you get my point. And Ben Lively, mm, I'm really sorry, but that's not it. So, he gets the Red Sox next. I'm not really going to go after that. Michael Kopech, though. Man, against the Guardians. Now, Royals last time, Guardians this time. Dominated in both. Seven innings, zero in runs, two hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts for Kopech. 16 whiffs for a gallows pull. 33% CSW. 62 four-seamers were thrown for 35% CSW as he was at 96-97 velocity. He had 12 whiffs on that pitch. It wasn't 20 or whatever that he had last time. 15, I think. The command wasn't as good as it was last time for Kopech. It was a lot of upper third uh, fastballs against the Royals. This one was, he opened up a little bit too much, uh, so they went more arm side than usual. Same with the changeup following that way, too. I uh, we're watching that on YouTube, by the way. So go check that check out that video to watch more of Michael Kopech. But yeah, I I like it. I think you should be chasing it against the Angels, Tigers, and Marlins up next. I don't know how to feel about the Angels offense. I want to say they're good, but also eh, here and there they're good. So I feel like you're safe enough. Like if you have to get Michael Kopech now, you're not gonna be able to wait next week to get Michael Kopech is my point. So if you're getting him for that Tigers and Marlins start, you got to get him now, and then you might as well start him for the Angels. That's the way I'm looking at it. I don't know if this is gonna stick around. It's only two starts of Kopech having this fastball against two poor lineups, and we've also seen Michael Kopech be volatile in the past. You know, we've seen these amazing starts out of the blue, and then he falls back down. 
So I hope that Michael Kopech has figured something out with his fastball to make it so that's a double-digit whiff pitch every single time. But everything else, like, the changeup and slider are not unlocked, you know, and the command is inconsistent. So we're not quite there yet with Kopech, but I think we're at a point of, okay, I think we can at least, it's in our best interest to hedge this bet and say, you know what, the reward is worth the floor at this point. Adrian Hauser against the the Astros would have gotten a gold star if it weren't for Ben Lively. 5.1 innings, zero earned runs, two hits, one walk, and three Ks. And yes, I'm trying to slow down as I say stats, by the way. I apologize. I know how quickly I say them. I'm trying hard today. <laughs> 10 whiffs, 26% CSW for Adrian Hauser. Sinkers and four seamers are his game. I don't think they're elite pitches. And I hate, I hate relying on balls in play, fastballs, and that's it. It is something you should at least bank away in your mind because guys who do that have chances to have success on a given night. This was 5.1 innings and a win against the Astros. Should not happen, right? But when you are super fastball focused, you are going to have more balls in play, which at least give you the opportunity to get fortunate. So... Adrian Hauser got that, and there you go. You have 5.1 innings of production with a win. There it is. Is it a good roll of the dice on a given night? No. But even if it's a 25% chance, that happens back-to-back often, right? So that's one out of eight. That makes sense to me, and keep that in mind for guys. It's not what you should be going for. You should never even be settling for 50-50 in fantasy. You should be settling for above that. But, hey, it can work, and it's good to know that it doesn't matter what opponent it is. It's the Astros. You, maybe you do get a night of production from Adrian Hauser. Bryce Miller is so good. Now, it's against the Oakland Athletics. He got a win, six innings, zero earned runs, two hits, one walk, and six strikeouts. But, man, the four-seamer, I mean, it was 81% four-seamers. I didn't even focus on that inside the roundup because I felt that everyone kind of knew that he just chucks four-seamers. But it is actually... Really ridiculous that he's throwing 80% plus. Like, you don't see that at all these days. It's just that good of a pitch. It's one of the best pitches in the majors. I'm not even kidding. It is really good. I think, I was talking to Fast about it. I think one of the highest induced vertical break fastballs in the majors. And imagine what would happen if he unlocked his secondaries. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, boy. Now, I do have to preach some caution. So, this was against the Oakland Athletics. And 13 whiffs. So you go, Nick, that's not a problem at all. I I understand. But against a better offense, probably not 13 whiffs on that four-seamer, right? And without those secondaries, there will be times when Bryce Miller is not good. I mean, every pitcher goes through. He's not going to have like a one ERA or something. So I'm curious what happens when he faces adversity right? This happens with every single prospect pitcher. At some point, they do, let's say they come out of the gate like Bryce Miller is and doing super well. There will be a moment that they are not very good. Some guys get lost in that. They've had success all their lives and all of a sudden they fail in the majors and they don't really adjust and figure it out. While others have maybe a start or two and then they bounce back and they do great things and that's actually when they're at their best because they've gone through the struggle, and they now have more confidence for when that does happen in the future. So I don't know when that's going to happen for Miller, but given how the secondaries are not 
consistent. I mean, they actually have a lot of upside to them. There's a ceiling there with, with what Bryce Miller does. They're just not refined. So I'm very excited for that. And I'm buying high, I think, on Bryce Miller. I would actually... Maybe I would, if I don't have Bryce Miller, I'm waiting for the downturn and then I'm paying for that. Because I, I very much believe that fastball is just so, so good. Um, there are a lot of guys to talk about here. I mean, I've talked about, what, four? So we're going to talk about all of those after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Austin Pruitt opened for Ken Waldachuk, who was terrible. Don't start Waldachuk. Shane McClanahan, ace is going to ace even against Toronto. So good to see it. Bryce Elder was against Tony Gonsolin. This was a very interesting one to me. Bryce Elder went six innings, one earned run, seven hits, one walk, and six Ks. So it's not a good whip, right? That is a 1-3-3 whip. But he got 16 whips with the Gallows pole. And if Elder has a 47% CSW and 12 out of 43 whips on the slider every night, well then, okay then. Like, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think that Bryce Elder is that guy. And he's gotten fortunate, I think, with his fastball thus far and changeup. But you know what? Vargas rule is all you want. I, I get it. I really do. Um, this is what I do a lot is I say, look, this is what their repertoire is. If you play, you know, you run the simulation for a full year over and over again. Bryce Elder is not necessarily doing this. However, he is in rhythm right now, clearly. And you just keep rolling with it. It's a Vargas rule, as, as clear as day. On the other side of it was Tony Gonsolin. 5.2 innings, 3 and runs, 3 hits, 2 walks, and 4 strikeouts. Nearly a poor quality start, which honestly against Atlanta is not bad. A one whip, actually sub one whip, I should say, and 4 strikeouts. 20% CSW on the splitter makes me a little upset, but it was well spotted. Gons- Gonsolin's fine. I know that I get uh, a lot of people think that Gonsolin's amazing and I'm just a hater on him. I look at what Gonsolin does. I think the fastball is going to get is going to burn him a decent amount. The slider can be really good, but it also just is like, OK, at times. And the splitter is a volatile pitch. So it doesn't really make for a guy who should have like a sub three ERA or a one whip or so. He does throw enough strikes to keep the, the walks down. I just think he's going to allow a nine hit per nine. And then the ERA is going to go up. That's just how I see things. But keep starting Gonsolin. Just keep Vargas ruling that one too. I'm fine with it. I'm just not going to put him inside the top 40 of starters, guys. He's not going to have a 30% strikeout rate. He's not going to have a 25% strikeout rate. Whatever. That's fine. Zach Granke against the Tigers. Five innings, one run, four hits, one walk, and five Ks. Good stuff, Zach Granke. You face the Tigers. 
I mean, even against the Tigers, Zach Greinke could have done a lot worse here. Tyler Anderson against Boston got the win. Six innings, one earned run, five hits, two walks, and three Ks. Honestly, not with the changeup. The changeup was floated. 44% CSW on his four-seamer with 17 called strikes. Well, that will work. That's why it's also three Ks as opposed to more than that in six innings. Uh, I'm avoiding him against the Mets. If Tyler Anderson doesn't have the changeup, he needs is a very narrow margin for success. And that was this. Um, Joe Ryan against the Giants did not have his best stuff. Five innings, one run, but six hits, two walks, and only four Ks. Only two out of 36 whiffs on the splitter. 22% CSW, low CSW on everything really here. Slider was just thrown three times, which is very strange. And this four-seamer, yeah, didn't have the success it normally has. We're not worried. Matthew Boyd against the Royals. What is the thing? That I say, oh, I'm out on Matthew Boyd until I see this. Well, 4.2 innings in 86 pitches. So we're not, you know, one earned run, three hits, two walks, six Ks. And he got 10 slider whiffs. Think about this. It's not a new pitch. Matthew Boyd um, was quoted to say pretty much that he felt really good with his slider. He got behind it more. It was tighter. He felt great. It was two ticks harder. It had different break. It, the way I see it is that Matthew Boyd has been trying to figure out the slider. And he's not like necessarily doing new grip or something like that. But there is something to be said about how you visualize your pitches out of your hand. When you're, when you're releasing the baseball or like as you go through it. For example, when I would throw my curveball in, uh, in the one that I would teach to kids is you have to imagine you're doing a karate chop. You're thinking a fastball until your arm is level with your shoulder, and then you lead with your pinky down to your opposite ankle. And you karate chop down to, so for me, it was as a right-hander, I would go down to my left ankle. And that visualization helped me stay on top of the curveball, but then ensure that I had it all the way through and they had the right angle on release. And those kinds of visualizations, or same with a, with my backup two-seamer, would be I would have to focus on my index finger and gain literally as if I'm pushing straight down on it like a um, from north to south on the baseball and release. And there are little things like that that I imagine Matthew Boyd had that was different in this game for that slider. So it's not necessarily a new pitch, but it, I imagine there was something in his head or a feeling of it that he found and then stayed consistent with. Now... I don't know if that's going to stick around again. There are times I talk about this with Fast, and if you listen to the last OTC, we've talked about these like magical single starts, and the, I knew there was one that he thought of, which was Asher Wojciechowski having that amazing game with his curveball and his cutter, that one game, and then never came back again. And sometimes that just happens, and it could happen, could be one of those here with Matthew Boyd. So he gets Texas next. We're not doing that. And not to mention, even when Matthew Boyd had his best slider, there were still problems. He still needed a, a changeup that worked. He needed to not allow home runs off of his four-seamer, right? But now I'm at least paying attention to Matthew Boyd again, and that's a very exciting thing. That was a very long element. You're getting a long podcast today, all right? Just deal with it. Marcus Stroman against the Mets. Eight innings, two earned runs, four hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. That is the good old Marcus Stroman. Just two whiffs. However, 22 cold strikes. The Mets were like, mm, we're not swinging today. You know, we've been through a lot. I like the where, 
you know, my bat is nice and comfortable on my shoulder. Martin Perez against the Pirates, seven innings, two earned runs, six hits, two walks, and three Ks. Yeah, you went against the Pirates, Perez, you did what you were supposed to do, and look, you get the Tigers, go ahead. Sandy Alcantara went into cores, and we didn't really know what to do, but we are like, alright, probable start, right? Sandy Alcantara should be fine. Six innings, two word runs, four hits, three walks, three Ks. Look, Sandy Alcantara had one of those blow-up starts in cores, I think it was last year or the year before, it was like 10 earned runs, and I imagine some of you remembered that, and I'm so glad he got his revenge. This wasn't the best version of Sandy Alcantara, uh, but... We're good with this. We keep moving on. He doesn't get the aces going to ace label. It's fine. We keep starting Sandy Alcantara as he still throws hard and everything is is okay. I want to see the slider doing a little bit better. I think once that really gets unlocked, that's only what happens every year. Then he's insane. Zach Gallant against the Phillies. 5.2 innings, 2 earned runs, 5 hits, 2 walks, 3 Ks. Look, last start we, had, we saw 4 walks and 2 strikeouts. And this was better than that. But he didn't really have the four-seamer gang so many called streaks. It was eight, but we want to see, like, double digits every time. And he used more cutters, which actually did return more strikes than I thought it would. It was more out of the zone, but it worked. And didn't have his changeup down. It was a little bit weird. That's two straight starts that are kind of weird with Zach Allen, but at least it's a little bit of a step forward. Yohan Aviedo did not have the premier command that we saw last time. 5.2 innings, three earned runs, six hits, two walks, five Ks against Texas. But now he gets Giants in Oakland. And I feel like, okay, that's that's all right with me with Aviedo. Hopefully that command does return. Trevor Williams got the win against the Padres. Don't really care. Kodai Senga against the Cubs did not do well. And you should stop starting Kodai Senga. Okay, as I hold back a burp just for you guys. Kodai Senga should not be started. Okay, just move on. Brandon Bilek was my stream pick of the day. Oh, and he had a careful Icarus here. Six innings, he was fine. Two earned runs. We had this streaming victory. And then he went to the seventh. And so it was 6.2 innings of four earned runs. Five hits, one walk, three Ks. We were so close. Almost there. He, there's a chance he makes it work against the Twins, as I don't like the Twins offense. I don't think it's that good. And Bilek, if he has a good changeup, it could work out. It's not really the thing I want to chase. He's not that... He, like, J.P. France is easily a step above, not two, uh, over Brandon Bilak. Nestor Cortez, speaking of careful Icarus, went six innings. He was great. One earned run. But then he went out there, allowed the first two guys on, and then hit a three-run shot that was, like, 350 feet or something in the short porch. And it was, ugh, so frustrating. The slider had 50% called strikes. It did everything you wanted. Four-seamer had a 31% CSW. But yeah, at the end of the day, it was six innings, four in runs, five hits, two walks, and three Ks. It was four base runners in one earned run in six innings. Ah, but only three whiffs. Three whiffs, it, that, that is something we got to talk about. Because the four-seamer and cutter are not just overpowering as you want to see. So, we, you know, I, I do want to address that, saying that Cortez is not fixed. I, I know he got unfortunate here, but... He should have been blowing them away with that fastball, especially now that the slider is back, right? It's not quite there. So I'm a little, a little, uh, I see that the, um, the bad luck, I see that the numbers are saying, hey, he's better. But then again, the whiffs are not there. But see, it was 33% as the Orioles just took more things. So we'll see. Ryan Weathers against the Nationals didn't matter as the Nationals did not do well. Uh, you don't start Ryan Weathers. Anthony Descafani against the Twins. Five innings, four and runs, six hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. Not the best command over the past few weeks from Tony Disco. 
and he gets the Pirates next, which is fine. I'm still going to go after that one, but after that, I might just move on against the Orioles and the Cubs. You say Kikuchi against the Rays? Well, yeah, this wasn't going to go well, and it didn't, so you don't do it. Tyler Wells against the Yankees. Five innings, five earned runs, five hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. And that's nice to see the eight strikeouts. You still want a Vargas Rulis, I think, with Tyler Wells. He had some bad cutters, and that's really the difference of this start. There were some that were just the middle of the zone. The Yankees took advantage of it. I really like the fact that despite having a lot of hard contact on that four-seamer, Wells is doing a good job of saying, what, that is not a good pitch for me in the zone. I'm actually going to elevate that a ton to make sure I don't allow too many mistakes with it. And when I miss, I'm going to miss too far out of the zone. Some guys have been doing that. Barrios is doing that now. And I think that's a really good mentality. If you have a bad fastball that gets hit a lot, just chuck it up a lot. Even the misses there do affect the other pitches. Just don't get burned by the four-seamer in the zone. I think that's what Wells is doing well at the moment. No pun intended. Cleveland, Giants, and Royals are up next. Those are good starts for me. I'm holding on to Wells for those. Ranger Suarez against the Diamondbacks. Five innings, five earned runs, five hits, one walk, and five Ks. He honestly looked kind of decent here. Uh, I think he just had one really bad uh, third inning of four and runs. But he was actually okay, so we're going to monitor this one moving forward. Carl Kaufman does not pitch for the Royals. I know, it's very confusing. He pitches for the Rockies. He hosts the Cords. Of course we're not doing this. James Paxton was very, very disappointing Three innings, five earned runs, four hits, three walks, and five Ks. Zero for 35 whiffs on the four-seamer is not it. It was nine whiffs. Last two starts, I believe both of them had nine whiffs. And his four-seamer command, actually, if you just look at it, you go, oh, he elevated well, he got it down, it was around the edges. We actually want to see Paxton do the Robbie Ray method of just top third of the zone, pound it, right? Like Joe Ryan does this. That's how Paxton has success with that four-seamer. And it's kind of interesting. I've talked about in the past of a guy is doing one thing really well, and then the other things are not doing really well, right? And I say, okay, it can either go two ways. One, the things that are not doing well get better, and it becomes really good. Or B, the thing that he's doing really well gets worse, and it's really bad. I've been mentally keeping track of when I say that, and I'm getting the sense that it's turning out worse more than it's getting better. For guys to get better at things is a lower chance than guys getting worse at things. So I'm I'm keeping tabs of that moving forward. I hope that James Paxton gets back the four-seamer in the zone. And I'm going to give him some benefit of the doubt. Look, you did this for two straight starts. You didn't have your best one. It's your third one. It's okay. Go and host the Reds in Fenway. And then you get the Guardians. We're very much in on those two starts. Those are two great matchups. Better than the Angels here. So fine. We're not going to worry right now about it. But I am aware of that as I talk about those. Like, hey, one thing's really good. One thing's really bad. Uh, Also, Paxson used to have much better curveballs and and cutters and changeups. So I hope to see those improve as we keep going. At least one of them. Cal Quantrill against the White Sox. Oh boy, not fun. But uh, it's the White Sox, and they're generally bad against right-handers, and Quantrill normally eats them alive with sinkers inside, and it just didn't work out. Okay. Cal Quantrill is so so much of an enigma. He's a streamer, and this start doesn't really change anything. And Steven Matz against the Reds. Four innings, 600 runs, 11 hits, two walks, and four Ks. Yeah, we don't want Steven Matz. 13 base runners in four innings, 600 runs. 
Yeah, we he should just be Libertor. No more of this like messing around Cardinals, okay? Just have it as Libertor. I know he's going over the weekend. We're going to talk about those right now. And uh, yeah, that's what this is. Okay, looking forward to <laughs> today's games, Logan Gilbert and Logan Webb. Um, Logan Webb should have an opener as they're worried about his back, but it's against the Brewers, so it might be a little bit less, but you still want to do this. So we're going to still have both of those guys at the top. Aaron Nola against Atlanta and Lucas Giolito at Detroit. Uh, JP Sears against the Oakland Athletics is my probable start streaming pick of the day. I think he gets a ton of whiffs. I think the Bears are not that great of an offense. I think this is a start I'm going to make. He's only won the probable start. Questionable start is Zach Eflin against Toronto. Blake Snell against the Nationals and Kyle Gibson against the Yankees. I think they're pretty straightforward as to why they're questionable. Eflin is against the Jays. I love what he's doing, but it's the Jays. Blake Snell, what are you going to get? It's the Nationals, but does that really matter? It's just about how well Blake Snell is as a pitcher. And then you have Kyle Gibson against the Yankees. You never know what you're going to get from Kyle Gibson. And then do not start you. We have a massive amount. It's Braxton Garrett in Coors. No, thank you. Alec Manoa against the Rays. No. Miles Michaelis in Cincinnati. No, thank you. Kyle Freeland in Coors. I don't care. That's Miami. No, thanks. Clark Schmidt against the Orioles. I really don't like it. I think that Clark Schmidt just doesn't do enough. Uh, and Alex Faito, and the Orioles are really good right now. And Alex Faito against the White Sox. Maybe he has a slider, but no thanks. Carlos Carrasco against the still ill Kyle Hendricks. I don't want any of that. I don't know what the Brewers are doing. Is it Bryce Wilson? Is it Julio Tehran? I don't know. Don't care. Luke Weaver against the Cardinals. I know it's not Arenado and Goldschmidt. Don't care. Jake Irvin and Dylan Dodd. Yeah, no thanks. Okay. Maybe Dylan Dodd has it, but no. Looking at forward to tomorrow, uh, Kevin Gosman, George Kirby, Hunter Brown, Mitch Keller, Chris Sale, Freddie Peralta, and Justin Steele. Justin Steele are all obvious to me. And Steele is hosting the Reds in Wrigley, okay? Those are very, very clear. No bad matchups. You do it. Scherzer's in cores. Ugh. I'm still doing it. Jo- Joe Musgrove is, a- is against the Yankees. He doesn't have a slider. But you still do it. Lancelin and Reed Demers have great matchups against the Tigers and Marlins, respectively. You're going to do those. Demers just fanned 12, and it's the Marlins without Jazz Chisholm. Lancelin just had two redemption starts, so you're doing those. So that's all of your auto start. Probable start tier is John Gray, Shane Bieber, Jesus Lazardo, Hunter Green, and Matthew Libertor with Alex Wood against the Brewers as the stream pick of the day. Gray gets the Orioles. The Orioles have been very good. I don't know how believable John Gray is. Shane Bieber or Tanner Bybee. I don't know. They both pitch on the same day because it's a doubleheader. The MLB's API says it is Shane Bieber. There has been no report. So I'm going to trust that API. Others are saying it's Tanner Bybee. Whatever. It could be either one. Okay? Cool. Put them both in probable start against the Cardinals. Jesus Lazardo in the same exact spot. Jesus Lazardo against the Angels. Uh, I think his bad luck is going to turn around. It's really been bad luck, and he's much better than how the ERA and whip look. Hunter Green against the Cubs. He gets a lot of strikeouts, but the home run threat is still there. Matthew Libertor is pretty dang good against the Guardians. I think this is a really nice matchup because he throws this really nice curveball and a fastball that isn't that great, but a team like the Guardians will make it look better. And Alex Wood, I know it's weird. Alex Wood hasn't really come through, but the Brewers are so bad. <laughs> and the slider is good, and the fastball is good, and I feel like this should just work. Uh, questionable start tier. Is, it's truly questionable. And I've, I've made a point of it to say, like, look, if I'm okay starting a guy, then I'm going to put him in the probable start tier. If it's a good enough matchup against a guy who could take advantage of it, it's a probable start. Questionable start is actually truly, like, questionable. Patrick Corbin against the Royals. Are we really doing this four straight games of six, in, uh, six innings pitched or more and two earned runs? 
maybe against the Royals. Louis Varlon gets the Jays. That's so risky. Schuster just did really well, but it's the Phillies. Grace Rodriguez is against the Rangers, and maybe he unlocks the secondaries. Don't like it. Brandon fought against the Red Sox. Ugh. Do not start tears. James Caprillion against Houston. Tywin Walker against Atlanta. Noah Syndergaard against the Rays. Don't want any of this. Cooper Criswell, no way, against the Dodgers. And Joey Wentz, he just messed up against the Nationals. And Jory Lyles, Jordan Lyles, speaking of the Nationals, he's not been good. And Connor Seabold, and I don't know what the Yankees are doing. Maybe it's Ryan Weber. does not matter. All right, that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed the near 30-minute podcast. I do this for you. And that is it for today. So my name is Nick Pollock. And by the way, I'm getting right now. He was just pushed to Saturday, Logan Webb. So all of that, there you go. Literally, right now, I'm just getting that news. So, Shazam. (laughs) Look at you sticking around to the very end. Uh, But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.